What really happens when a person humbles their heart? What does it look like in the life of a believer, the life of a person who has decided to follow Jesus Christ when they say, Lord, humble me. Let me walk in the ways that you have before me. Today in the THB Online Community Podcast, our lead pastor, Scott Etheridge, is going to unpack a very popular verse that has brought a lot of hope for individuals. But the depth of it may be more than you've known before. I want to encourage you to really listen to what Pastor Scott has to say today. Really listen to how he unpacks his verse and examine how it plays out in your life on a real life basis. I also want to invite you to reach out to us and let us know how you're walking this verse out. You can email us at mediahub at thpstreetport.com. You can find us on any of our social media platforms. Just look for THP Shreveport or connect with us through our website, thpstreetport.com. All that being said, let's get into today's message. Okay, everyone, we're going to take a deep dive into our promise this week. Listen, we've been walking through God's promises all year long. And here we are, July 4th, Independence Day, where we celebrate freedom here in America and so many different things happening. Um, We were birthed out of a lot that happened. And throughout the years, man, God God has moved. And in America, we celebrate freedom, but ultimately, It's not about America. It's not about nations. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about who we are in Christ. And I think it's amazing that our promise this week is a verse that has been used uh, so many times, kind of out of context a little bit. We have to be super careful about uh, the word of God, that we don't grab a verse and go, hey, that's mine. And I, I get that God speaks to us through his word and all those different things. But at times there are promises that have been given to a specific people for a specific time at a specific place. And this verse is one of those. So we're going to take a deep dive. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Now, when I said that, some of you are like, I know exactly. You're probably already quoting it right now. Listen, if you've ever heard 2 Chronicles 7, 14, put in the chat, yes, 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 yes. If not, just hold on. We're going to dig into it. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And this is one of those verses that we need to dig a little bit deeper into this to get the truth that God is speaking to us through this word. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my People. Now, when I said those three words, some of you are like, boom, now I know what it is. If my people, now if doesn't start with a capital I, which means it's a part of something else. Something else came before it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's a good thing, and pray, that's a great thing, and seek my face, there's another good thing, and turn from their wicked ways, another good thing. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, this is a verse that's been used not just here in America, but all over the globe. People have spoken this word over their nations. They have prayed this over their nations. They have, they have um, man, I, I'm a child of God, so I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God's face. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. All those things are good things. But this verse was given to a specific people at a specific time at a specific place. Let's look at verse 15. 
Now my eyes will be open, says the Lord, and my ears attentive to prayers made in this place, right? Verse 16, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house. Come on, put in the chat, this house. Come on, everybody, put it in the chat. Why am I putting it in the chat? You're not putting it in the chat for right now. We're gonna dig into this in just a few minutes. This house, come on, put this house. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, where is God talking about this place? He's talking about the temple. He's talking about the tabernacle. Solomon has led the people of God into a rebuilding of the temple. And now here they are. They're dedicating the temple. They are the the. Everything that God had told Solomon about the temple has been done. They're dedicating the temple. They're doing all these things. They're, they're, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're doing all these amazing things and they're dedicating the temple. And God says, listen, if you who are called by my name, he's talking to the people of God, will humble yourselves. Why is that super important? Their forefathers didn't. They came out into the wilderness. They, they, they didn't listen to God. They, they didn't. They were prideful. They were arrogant. They, they tried to do their own things. God was doing miracles, and yet they still could not humble themselves. And then he says, and pray, because their forefathers hadn't truly prayed. And seek my face. They were always seeking God's hand, what God could do for them, rather than just who is God. Listen, God doesn't want you to seek him for what he can give you. He wants you to seek him so that we will know who he is, so then we will know who we are in him. Then he says, and turn from your wicked ways. Man, the people of God for, 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 for years and years and years were selfish and they had worshiped idols. And when God didn't meet their expectations, they turned to false idols and false gods. God says, if you will do all these things, if you will do all these things, then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven then. So it's a conditional promise to these people. But he also later on says, but if you don't do these things, then I'm gonna uproot you and disperse you all over the world and I'm gonna tear down this temple. This temple will be teared down. It will be torn down. It will be uprooted. And guess what ends up happening? Like we know the story, right? We have the benefit of knowing the story. What happens? Well, they turn from God. They are uprooted. The temple is destroyed, not just once, not just twice, but many, many, many times over the centuries, the temple's been torn down, reconstructed, torn down, reconstructed, torn down, reconstructed. And so this verse is for a specific people. Now, fast forward. In Christ, do we have elements of this? Absolutely. Does Christ tell us to humble ourselves? Absolutely. Did he model that? Yes. Does Christ tell us how to pray? He taught us how to pray. Like he taught us how to pray. Does he talk about seeking the face of God? Absolutely. Does he talk about turning from your wicked ways? Yes. In the New Testament, repent, 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 right? But in the context of all this, we need to look back a little bit so we can see what this means for us. Come on, put in the chat right now. This is for me, right? So we're not taking the verse and going, this promise is mine. We're taking elements of it and go, how does this apply to us so I can find out what's mine in Christ? What is this trying to tell me that I have in Christ? Second Chronicles chapter five. Now, why is all this so important? Solomon builds the temple, right? He builds the temple. Worship is gonna be restored at a place. Now, Solomon's father, David, 
had the tabernacle of David. You may have heard of the tabernacle of David. Why is that so important? Because the tabernacle of David wasn't a permanent structure. It was a tent. And in that tent, there wasn't a curtain like in the temple. There wasn't a curtain that separated you from the ark, the presence of God. And also there was singing and praying happening 24-7. singing, worship to the Lord, and praying in the tabernacle of David. And the ark, it would be moved. It was, it was a temporary structure so that it could be moved. So if we go this way, hey, we're taking the tent there. We're going to set everything up. And man, we're going to worship and we're going to pray. And so they were able to move it. Well, now there's going to be a permanent structure built, okay? When, when God promised David and he said, your son's going to come and he's going to build a permanent structure. Of course, he was talking about Solomon, but in the typology of that, Jesus is known as the son of David, and Jesus comes and establishes an eternal kingdom, not just quote-unquote temporary permanent building that can be torn down, but in Christ now, there is an eternal kingdom that's established forever and ever and ever. And now the temple in Christ, the tabernacle in Christ is not a permanent structure, but it's a people. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the tabernacle of God. No curtain, no structure to be torn down that God now will inhabit the praises of his people in us, not just with us, but his spirit in us. Second Chronicles 5, an amazing typology here and what's happening and where it's happening. Super important. Second Chronicles 5.11. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present and sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. They weren't divided. They were not just unified around a goal, but they were in one mind and one accord, supernaturally in tune, Right? Verse 12, and the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Ammon and Judith and with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals and stringed instruments and harps and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Put in the chat right now, 120, 120, 120. This is super important. This matters because this is something that's gonna come up again. Like when Christ comes and Christ is crucified and Christ resurrects and then he ascends to the right hand of the Father, 120 is gonna mean something again and the actual place is gonna mean something again, okay? So it says that they were sounding with trumpets. Now in the Old Testament, trumpet could mean several different things. It could mean an actual trumpet, a silver trumpet. It could have meant a ram's horn. And then those horns, those trumpets would make different sounds and then the people would gather around whatever sound. It was one sound could be uh, a call to battle. One sound could be a call to worship. One sound could be for certain leaders to come together. Like they would blow the trumpets and then the people would know what they were doing, where to go, what was happening. But the trumpet was a sound was a sound, and sometimes that sound was a warning. Sometimes that sound was a guidance. Sometimes that sound was a gathering for war. Go to the New Testament now, and the same wording, the same wording, Hebrew, Greek, same wording for trumpet now in the New Testament becomes voice. John says, I am but a voice 
crying, trumpeting in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Now the voice is the trumpet. The voice is the shofar. There are different elements of that ram's horn, that shofar, and your voice. Actually, even the way that, 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 that we are constructed in our, in our physiology, even the way that our voice projects and we speak is, is layered over on top of a trumpet and a shofar. There is a, there is a typology there and a parallel there. And so now we trumpet, we are voices, we are voices saying, behold, the Lamb of God. We are trumpeting, and sometimes it's a warning, and sometimes it's a call, and sometimes, you know, it's a call to worship. Like, I will, I will use my voice, and I will say, hey, we are coming together on Thursdays at THP. This is a call. A call to what? A call to prayer, a call to worship, a call to Bible study. It's not a warning. It is a, hey, we are gathering, right? This is a call to come and pray and seek the face of God, to humble ourselves, to seek the face of God, to turn from our wicked ways, not because of one verse, but because that's what God has called us to do. That's the promises. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. Come on, if you're with me, put a fire emoji right now. Come on, put, put the one that has the big, I don't know what they're all called, big eyes. You know, the, the big eyes, when I use that one a lot, especially when uh, young people or my kids, they text me stuff I don't understand. Normally, I just put the big eyes. I don't even know what's happening. I don't know what you just said. I don't know what the abbreviation of that word was. I don't know what those three letters mean. Can you please tell me? It took me forever to figure out what LOL was. I was just like, what is that? Come on, if you're with me, fire emoji, come on. So 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. Put that in the chat right now. One, one, to make one sound. One sound. Come on, moderators, put it in there, all caps. One sound. 120 together. They are all as one, one mind, one accord, making one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the temple, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Come on, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to be filled with a cloud. What does a cloud represent? God's presence. When they were wandering in the wilderness, it was a cloud by day and fire by night. I wanna be filled with a cloud. You know, a, a great friend of ours wrote a book, Follow the Cloud. Not necessarily about something that you're seeing out there, but something that you're being led by in here, the Holy Spirit. Follow the cloud. Follow God's leading. Follow what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying to you. I want to be filled with a cloud, so to speak, the Holy Spirit. It says that a cloud fills the house so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Here's the scene. 120 priests, people called by God, gathered together, not keeping to their divisions with anyone else. Singers are singing and worshiping. The 120 come together in one mind, one accord, as one, making one sound with their voice, with the trumpets. And when they did, the cloud comes from above 
and fills the house where they're at. And when the cloud fills the house, the glory of the Lord fills them to the point where the priest could not even continue ministering because of the glory of God. Like God came, not just to touch them, but to fill them. And then it says in chapter six, then Solomon spoke. So Solomon doesn't even speak until the glory comes and fills and and God is moving and they are speaking and they are giving one sound and now nobody can speak and nobody can do anything because God's glory fills the temple. And then in chapter seven, Solomon speaks. When Solomon speaks, then he prays, right? All of this is happening in one place. When Solomon had finished praying, verse one, chapter seven, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Why does that matter to us, Scott? The New Testament tells us for we, we, what do we do? We come and we offer ourselves as a what? Living sacrifice, holy. Fire burns all the impurities away holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is our reasonable service. What did the priests do? What did the Levites do? It was their service unto God to come and minister to the Lord in the house. But now we are the house. We are the temple. Come on, somebody. Give me some fire emojis. This thing ought to be blowing up. You guys ought to be blowing the chat up right now. The promise of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. we don't just jerk that thing out of there. That's not just something we can grab for ourselves. God gave it to them, but in that there is a typology that leads us to Jesus. And now in Christ, we have a cloud, we have a fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple Again, and the priest could not enter because the glory had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down in the glory of the Lord, they bowed their faces on the ground on the pavement and worshiped. How can we read this and go, man, I don't know why people are laying on the floor on their face before God praying. Why does it take all that? How can we say that making a sound and singing and, and, and making a sound of the Lord and worshiping in, in spirit and in truth is not relevant for us today. What does 2 Chronicles 7, 14 have to do with me, Scott? That was to, to the people of God. That was about a permanent structure. But when we take 2 Chronicles 5 and we see where they were, what was happening, 120 priests, the glory comes, the fire comes, they could not even minister. God's moving in that place. Solomon speaks. What does he speak? He's telling everybody what's going on. Then he prays, right? He prays and what happens? Fire comes. They're in one mind, one accord, in not just unity, but supernatural one accord. Why does that matter to us? Acts chapter two. Jesus has been crucified, he's dead, he's resurrected. The disciples have seen him, they have experienced him, the resurrected Jesus, he's restored Peter. He's gathered them together in Acts chapter one. They see him leave, right? And what were his last instructions? 
His last instructions, of course, is that the Holy Spirit was coming. You may not know the times or the seasons, but listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And go to Jerusalem and wait. How many of them are there? There's 120. Sound familiar? Second Chronicles, right? Second Chronicles 5, 120 priests. What are they doing? They're in one mind and one accord. What are the 120 in Acts chapter two? They're in one mind and one accord. Where are they? Listen, I've been to Israel many times. I've taught there. I've been to sites, and there are some sites that are like, well, this may be, or maybe it's not, or we're gonna, you know, some... Uh, some organizations claim that this is the one and these are like, no, and then archaeologists are like, no, and all this. But I can remember standing where they really do believe multiple, not just biblical scholars, but, but secular archaeologists believe that this one certain area was where the upper room would have been. And I can remember standing there and teaching these people and were like, People are, are layered and they're sitting and we're just sitting out in this courtyard. There aren't no chairs or anything like that and we're just there. And I'm sitting here reading it and the realization came to me that in Acts chapter two, where are they? They're in the same place where they were in Second Chronicles chapter five. Same location. 120, one mind, one accord. 120, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. What would the Holy Spirit bring? The Holy Spirit would bring fire, right? The Holy Spirit would descend, come, be poured out upon them and in them, and they would all be filled with the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit, them as people, would be filled with the glory of God, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, one accord, one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a sound. Are you guys getting this? Come on, blow up the chat, somebody. They are, there's a sound going on. There's fire. There's, there's wind. There's the glory of God. They're in one accord. There's 120 of them. A mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Same thing. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them, the fire, upon each temple of the Holy Spirit, each person. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And what ends up happening? They start mocking and they're wondering what's going on. Peter stands up, and raised his voice and said to them, the glory in 2 Chronicles chapter five comes, fills everybody, the priest can't even enter in, and what happens? Solomon speaks. What happens here? Peter speaks. And Peter says, here's what's going on, and he leads them to Jesus. Solomon tells them, here's what's going on, and we need to get on our face before God, and the fire comes after Solomon prays. The fire comes, and it says, the people, not just the priests, the people of Israel see it and fall on their face before God and cry out. Peter speaks. 
He, he preaches this amazing word. He calls out what has happened. He testifies. And then the Bible says in verse 41, then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls were added to them. Listen, Peter just lays out everything to them. Similar to what Solomon did and all of a sudden, God's glory came and people were laying down on the pavement and they were, they were basically doing 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. They were repenting. They were humbling themselves. And what's happening in Acts chapter 2? They are humbling themselves. They're coming to a revelation of Jesus and they're turning from their wicked ways and they're being added to the kingdom of God. If my people, if my people, God is saying, if my people, it's not that we take it and we pull it out of context, but in Christ, we are the children of God, the people of God. God created everyone, but not everyone is his child. We become his children through Christ. And now, if my people were called by my name, will humble themselves, if we will humble ourselves, if we will pray, we will seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, God will answer. God will forgive our sins. God will forgive our sins. And then we want to grab that thing and say, heal our land. But what does that really mean? Heal our land doesn't always mean that it will make everything better for us. My prayer isn't that necessarily that God would make everything easier for me. My prayer is that people would open their hearts and hear what God is saying, that they would find their voice in Christ, find their identity in Christ as a son or a daughter, not as a spiritual orphan any longer, not alone in this, this battle, this fight, this journey, whatever you want to call it, but finding their identity in Jesus and then realizing that you know what, I wasn't alone at any point in my life. God was always there. And he offers that through Christ. And then Christ says, listen, I'm sending you another one. Not to just be with you, but he's going to fill you with the glory. He's going to fill you. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to repent. We need to turn our face toward the face of God and not look for a handout, but desire to know his character and who he is. We learn that through the word of God. We learn that through prayer, which is our relationship with God. That restoration of the tabernacle of David where there's no curtain any longer, Jesus has torn it down. Now we have complete access 24-7. So let's pray to receive this into our hearts and lives today. Lord, we just come right now we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you, Lord, that we can come into one mind and one accord today, right now, in this moment, on this 4th of July, we can come together in one mind and one accord. And we know that not just households, literal houses, but us as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we can be filled. We can be filled with your Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the glory of God and we can be purified of all those things that are not needed in our lives. 
and we can genuinely have a relationship with you. We worship you today, God. We love you today. We lean in and press in. We want to know more about you so we can know more about who we are in you. And Lord, I pray right now, Scott, I pray right now for everyone that's listening to this and watching this. And I pray, God, that there would be open hearts and open minds to receive the fullness of what you have for them. And I pray today that if it's not 3,000 added to the kingdom of God, it's one. One is added to the kingdom of God today where they find out who they really are in you, not what the world has tried to label them as. And on this day that in America represents freedom, we have an understanding that true freedom only comes through you, Jesus. That's where true freedom comes from. And so we lean into that today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.